Well, hey, and welcome to the Quad City Podcast, where we are on mission to make more and better disciples of Jesus everywhere, always. We're so glad you're joining us in that today. Well, before we dive into today's sermon, would you do me a quick favor? Would you go ahead and open your app store and search Quad City Christian Church? Download our app because it's the best way to stay connected with what's happening here at Quad City. If you're new, joining us for the first time, click that new here form as we'd love to reach out and connect with you. You could also submit prayer requests and even give on that same app. It's the best way to stay connected here at Quad City. Well, hey, now that that's out of the way, let's go ahead and dive into our sermon from Sunday. We hope you enjoy. That is a great way to share our time together today. Welcome. My name is Jason. I'm one of the pastors here. We are honored that you have chosen to start your week off by worshiping with us. And that's all the time I have for introduction. So glad all of you are here. Uh, today we got some work to do. So we are in this series in the book of Romans. So if you got your Bibles, let's go to chapter 8. And as we have throughout this series, I'm going to invite you to stand as we read our text together. And then we will walk through it this morning together. And so we're in Romans chapter 8, we're going to start in verse 9 and read down through verse 17. And this is the word of the Lord. It says, you, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of His Spirit who lives in you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, We have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live in according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again, Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in His glory. Father, thank You for Your Word. Thanks for using it uh, to pierce us, to transform us into the likeness of Christ. Holy Spirit, we invite You into this place. 
to do your work among your people today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you. So as we've said from the beginning, if you're uh, just jumping in, we're about halfway through a series working our way through the book of Romans and you are jumping in like midway into the book. Uh, actually, it's a letter and it's all one letter. Um, and each chapter, each line, each paragraph builds off the one before it, which means that if you just jump in here to verse nine, we're, we're, you're going to be a little bit lost because verse nine begins with the words. You, however, which means there's a contrast that he's trying to make. And so we've got to back up just a little bit to get a running start to get into our text today. So the text before us that we talked about last week, the paragraph in your Bible that begins there in in, uh, verses 1 through 8, he sets up this dichotomy. And he begins talking about those who are living in the flesh and those who live according to the Spirit. He says, those who live in the realm of the flesh have their mind set on the things that flesh desires. Those who live according to the Spirit have their mind set on what the Spirit desires. And again, if you're a newcomer with us, what we're we're talking about is each of these little people here, these little faces, whatever those are, one of those represents you. And we all start off being born in the flesh. We're all in this, but at some point, we, we get a chance to make a choice to be reborn into the Spirit. So all of us begin here, but there's a chance for us to be reborn here. And he says, look, if you're living according to the flesh, you have your mind set on what the flesh desires. If you're living according to the Spirit, you have your mind set on what the Spirit desires. And as we learned last week, one of them, those who live according to the flesh, live as enemies of God. Those who live according to the Spirit have peace with God. And verse 8 kind of gives us a little bit of a warning. Where he says, those who are in the realm of the flesh, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Like cannot, doesn't say does not, they cannot please God. It's impossible if we're living in the flesh to please God. The only way we do that, the only way we can please God is to be reborn into the Spirit. So, that's where we left off last week. Which should leave us with a little bit of a, hmm, I want to make sure that I'm in the Spirit and not in the flesh. There should be this right and holy and good check in ourselves that says, how can I make sure that I'm in the in the spirit and not in the flesh. And, and that's the question that Paul's going to address in our text this morning. So let's dive in. He says, you, however, after saying, those in the flesh cannot please God. And everybody goes, <gasps> so Paul says, you, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. So it's almost as if Paul anticipates that when somebody got up in the church of Rome and read this letter and they heard that line, those in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. And they're like, oh no, is that me? And Paul writes to the church and says, that's not you. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh. You are in the realm of the spirit. He does give us this caveat, right? 
if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. Which I read that and I think, Paul, you're kind of stating the obvious there a little bit. You're in the realm of the Spirit if you have the Spirit. Okay, could you be a little more clear? How do I know? How do I know if I've got the Spirit? If you don't have the Spirit, then you're not in Christ. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that thanks, Captain Obvious. I got that. Not really helpful, Paul. Then he reminds us. He reminds us why this is so important. We'll come back to answering how do we know. We'll come back to that. But he, he reminds us why it's so important to make sure that we're in the realm of the Spirit and not in the realm of the flesh. He says, but if Christ is in you, even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. So, in the flesh we have death, in the Spirit we have life. And, we, and this, this life comes because it's righteousness that is applied to us, not our righteousness, but Christ's righteousness. And I love this. He says, even though your body is subject to death, your body is subject to death. Your body that was born in the flesh is dying every single day. It is. I don't know if you, anybody's told you that lately, but it is. If you need some proof, just look in a mirror. Gravity is doing a number on you today. I'm just letting you know. Like you got wrinkles and sunspots and bald spots and stretch marks and your joints aren't working and your teeth aren't real and you can't read a menu in a nice restaurant because there's not enough light and you get your phone out, right? And you wake up and your feet hurt and your back hurts and your feelings would be hurt if you could hear what people are saying about you, but your, your ears are going bad, so that saves you some pain. And every day you got to check the clock every afternoon before you drink coffee or eat salsa or have pizza. Because you know, if you don't, it's going to be a long night. And speaking of nights, the good news is you're sleeping like a baby again, right? You're up every two hours hoping you're dry, right? That's, it's like, oh, you're dying. Like it's going south. It's just true. And I could keep going, but you get a point. You get the point. Like our bodies, they're getting bigger, but they ain't getting better. Like we are subject to death. Our bodies are dying. It's spiraling because of the curse of sin, right? They're dying. But the Spirit, being in the Spirit, it gives us life. And the good news is not just life to our spirit, but it's going to be life to our bodies. Look what he says. And if the spirit of him who raised Christ from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies, to all of the things that are being broken and wearing out and falling apart, all of the things that are in pain and not working. He says, God, because the Holy Spirit is in you, he will not let you die like that. That there's going to be a resurrection. Not just of your heart, not just of your spirit, but of your mortal body. Because the spirit is in you. The spirit is in you. You will live. Not as some float around on a cloud spirit, but in a body. He's going to raise your body from the dead just as he did for Jesus. But again, we're left with the question. Okay, that's great. 
how can I be sure that this promise gets applied to me? How, how can I make sure that I am in Christ, that I am in the Spirit and the Spirit is in me? Is there a way for me to know for sure and not just cross my fingers and hope it's true? And in the next few verses, what Paul's going to do is he's going to give us some markers to look for in our lives, both internal and external markers, to help clarify for ourselves whether or not we are living in the flesh or whether we are living in the Spirit. So that's what we're going to do. Look at verse 12. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation. That word's really important. Not a suggestion. Not if you get around to it, we have an obligation. We are obliged to do something. And what is it? We have an obligation. But it is not to the flesh. We don't have to obey the flesh anymore. It is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. So, we have an obligation to put to death the misdeeds of the body. We have an obligation not to live according to the flesh, but to live according to the Spirit. So, say it this way. Here's the first marker. Are you living according to the flesh or according to the Spirit? When you look at your life, does it reflect someone who is being obedient to their flesh. I just want what my body wants, my desires, my fleshly desires. Or do I live in a way that that it accords with the Spirit, that actually reflects and desires what the Spirit wants? Are you living to please your flesh or are you living to please the Spirit of God that is in you? A few questions to think through. Is prayer a first priority or a last resort? That might help you to determine whether or not we're living in the flesh or living in the spirit. Is entertainment optional for you or necessary? Again, it's going to help us understand, am I living in the flesh or living in the spirit? Is time in the word optional for you or mandatory for you? Again, you're either feeding your flesh or feeding feeding your spirit. Are you more concerned with the kids knowing sports or knowing Jesus? Now, it could be both. It could be both. But but which is the higher priority when it comes to your time, your attention, and your treasure? Is, Is feeding your stomach or feeding your soul more important to you? Again, you get the point. Are we obliging our flesh or obliging the Spirit. Because if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if you live according to the Spirit, you will live. Now, if you're living according to the flesh, then the fruit of the flesh will be produced in your life. If you live in accordance with the Spirit, then the fruit of the Spirit will be produced in your life. And we don't have to wonder what is the fruit of the flesh? What is the fruit of the Spirit? Because Paul defines them for us very clearly in Galatians chapter 5. He lays it out and says, look, here's how you can know. If you're living according to the flesh, 
These are the things that will be produced. Sexual immorality, impurity, idolatry, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, dissensions, factions. And he goes on. He says, look, if you're living in accordance with the flesh, these are the things that are going to be produced in your life. This is how you're going to know. And he says, I I warn you. This is what he says in Galatians 5. I warn you that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Why? Because they're living according to the flesh. And those who live according to the flesh cannot please God. So if this is the fruit of your life, you will not inherit the kingdom. That's what he says. But on the, on the flip side, those who are living according to the Spirit, the fruit that gets produced in them is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. So, again, we can look at our own life and just judge the fruit. What's being produced? Am I living in accordance with these things or am I living in accordance with these things? And this really, really matters. Like the consequences are really, really dire. Because again, I want you to look at what verse 13 says. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Like we talked about this a little bit last week. Like when we're talking about dying and living here, it's not just talking about what's happening here in this physical life. It's not what he's talking about. You know how I know? Because it doesn't matter right now if you are living according to the flesh or you're living according to the spirit. Right now, you're alive. Right? Whether you're living according to the flesh right now or living according to the spirit, you're alive. And it doesn't matter if you live according to the flesh or live according to the spirit. There's going to be a day when you will die unless Jesus comes back. So we know this is not about whether or not you're in the coffin. As we said last week, this die here is talking about perish. Like eternal death. The next death. This living here is talking about eternal death. Oops, A-L. It's eternal life, right? This isn't talking about what's happening right in this room right now. This is talking about what's going to happen next. So read it with that in mind. For if you live according to the flesh, now you will die later. And if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, now you will live eternally. That's what he's trying to help us to see. Like, that's the consequences of this. If you live according to the flesh, you will die. You live according to, I'm sorry, but if you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Which brings us to a second marker. Are you putting sin to death? Like he says, you got to put to death the misdeeds of the body. you got to put sin to death. Either you put it to death or, or you will die. And here's a here's the great thing about this marker. If there if there is anything in you that is helping you to put sin to death, then you can be certain you are in the spirit. Because the only way that we put sin to death is by the power of the spirit. That's that's the only way it happens. 
So if there's this something in you where you see yourself moving away from sin and into holiness, that is the work of the Spirit of God in you. And that should cause you to have great peace. It is the work of God that helps you to put sin to death. But if you aren't putting sin to death, if you're perfectly comfortable with your sin and it doesn't really bother you, then you can know for certain that you're living in the flesh. If you're comfortable with your sin, then you know you are not living according to the Spirit. And this isn't about perfection. Don't hear that today. Like, oh no, I sinned yesterday. I must not be in the, it's not, it's not about perfection. There isn't an expectation that temptation will never come at you and you won't ever sin again. That's not, that's not the concern. The concern is, do you go to war with your sin whenever it is that you, you see it in your life? Like, whenever it pops up, you're trying to kill it again. Every time it shows up, you're putting to death the misdeeds of the body. Every time, you got to put it to death. You just keep fighting. You're going to war against your sin. Again, look at these phrases. If you live according to the flesh, live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. These words are not just about a, a one-time thing. They point to a continual action. Like if you live according to the flesh and just keep on living according to the flesh as a continual action, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death and keep putting to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. This is about continual action. That's what Paul's saying. Are you waging war against your sin? And if you do that, every time it pops up, you just try to kill it again and kill it again and kill it again. He says, if you're doing that, that is the work of the Spirit in you and you will live. We can say it as simply as this. If you don't hate sin, you don't love God. If you don't hate sin, you don't love God. Again, don't take my word for it. 1 John chapter 3 says it this way. No one who is born of God will continue to sin. Because God's seed remains in them. They cannot go on sinning because they've been born of God. Like if you have been born of the Spirit, you can't just keep going on sinning. You just can't. You can't because the Spirit of God's in you and the Spirit of God won't let you. So you can't. You cannot just keep on sinning. And be born of God. It just, you, it's just not possible. This is how we know. This is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. You want to know? Here's how you know. Anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child. This is how we know, John says. You, you don't have to wonder. You don't have to guess. This is how you can know who the children of, of God are and who the children of the devil are. Again, we talked about this several weeks ago. All of us are born into Adam. We're all born in the flesh. And we've got to be reborn into Jesus. 
And here's how you know. If you are just living in your flesh, we're all born here. And if you're here, here's how you know. Because you don't care to do what's right. You're comfortable in your sin. Anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child. This is a marker. Those who are in the spirit, and those who are in the flesh, are you okay with your sin? Or do you hate your sin? I've had people push back on me over and over because I always remind us that not everybody is a child of God. We live in a world that wants to say, well, we're all God's children. No, we're not. We're not. Not everybody is a child of God. We are all God's creation. We are not all God's children. We are all born into Adam, but we all have to be reborn, born again into Christ. We are not all God's children. And here's how you know if you're a child of God or a child of the devil. Do you do what's right? Are you fighting every day for holiness? Paul speaks to it in our text. Look at Romans 8.14. For those who are led by the Spirit are the children of God. Who are the children of God? Those who are led by the Spirit. That's the only ones. They are the children of God. Those who are led by the flesh, not the children of God. And what do those who are led by the Spirit do? They put sin to death over and over and over. They put to death the misdeeds of the body. Because they know, if you live according to the flesh, you will die. If you live according to the Spirit, you will live. There's a great Puritan theologian named John Owen who puts it this way. I think it's so great. Be killing sin or sin will be killing you. Like These are your two options. One's going to live and one's going to die. Either your sin will live and you will die, or your sin will die and you will live. But those are the only two options. Be killing sin or sin will be killing you. And whichever one of those that you choose will help you to understand and know whether or not you're living in the flesh or living in the Spirit. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. And the Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you receive brought about your adoption the sonship. Like those who are in the spirit, here's the good news about these people over here. They don't have to live in fear every day. They're not living as like slaves of a totalitarian master who's going to beat them down when they do something wrong. No, no, no. We're not slaves to live in fear again. That's not what's happening here. God has moved us out of, we were slaves to sin. We are not slaves anymore. We get to experience something far better than just being servants of God. We get to be sons of God. And yes, I mean sons. This is not gender neutral, by the way. It's not sons and daughters. 
Ladies, you do not get the adoption to daughtership. You don't want that. You know what you want? The adoption to sonship. That's what you want. And in Christ, you get that. You want to be a son. This isn't gender neutral. Sons of the father get their father's name and they keep it forever. Daughters don't get that. Sons are the one who have given the, in this day, given the authority and the rights of the father. They are the ones who receive the inheritance of the father. The daughters didn't get that. They, they become part of somebody else's family tree. Which is why, ladies, you should be rejoicing. We all rejoice that we've been given the status as sons of God because we are in the Son of God. And everything that He has, we get. Namely, intimacy with God. Whether you're a man or a woman, by Him we cry, Abba, Father. It's an intimacy. That word, Abba, many of you have heard that it means daddy, and that's not quite true. It's the Aramaic word that simply means father. That's what it means. But there is an intimacy with that word. It means father. And it, and it is so intimate, though, that there's only one place where anyone in Scripture was said to have cried, Abba, Father. You know where it was? It was Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Nobody else would dare use this phrase toward God. Because He's God. But what Paul is saying is because now we are in Jesus. By the Spirit, we are in Christ Jesus. We get the very same standing to cry out to the very same Father. There's an intimacy that we get to experience. And when that happens, we cry out, Abba, Father. He says the Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. And i got to admit, this verse right here, I don't understand. Like, our staff, we've, we've spent a month trying to figure out how to help quantify this, to help you to be able to understand what this is. Okay, so these other markers we look at, they're all external. Like you look at the fruit of your life. You, the fruit of your life reveals the root of your life. If you're led by the Spirit, you produce the fruit of the Spirit. If you are in the realm of the flesh, you will produce the fruit of the flesh. You can look at your life. You can see it in the mirror. You can watch it in your behaviors. It's external evidence of whether you're in the Spirit or in the flesh. This is an external. This is internal. This is the Spirit of God somehow testifying with our spirit that we're God's children. Like there's some kind of internal something that the Spirit of God does with our spirit that tells us you're God's child. And I don't know how to I don't know how to explain this, but Paul's telling us there's some kind of affirmation that the Spirit gives to our spirit. And it's a mystery to me. And frankly, it scares me a little bit. And I'll tell you why it scares me. 
It scares me because it's subjective. It's subjective. Like, the Spirit is telling my spirit, it's something I feel, it's an internal affirmation, and it's so subjective. And and that scares me, which is why I just want to humbly as your pastor recommend that you don't put all your eggs in this basket. Don't put all your eggs in this basket. Because here's the reality that I know. There are a lot of people that you can talk to today who will tell you, I feel like God's good with me. I feel like God loves me. I feel like me and God are okay. Of course I'm a child of God. And yet you look at their life and there is no fruit of the Spirit. It is only the fruit of the flesh. But somehow they've convinced themselves me and God are good. Even though there's no external indication at all that they are in Christ. But they feel okay. They feel okay. They feel like they're in. There are a lot of people who feel like they're good with God without it producing any fruit that would say they're in God. And again, here's how we can know. The the fruit reveals the root. An apple tree produces apple. A grapevine produces grapes. You can look at the fruit and tell what kind of stump it's coming from, what kind of trunk it's coming from. The fruit reveals the root. Which means the internal work of the Spirit will show up as external fruit in your life. And here's what we have to remember. There is another Spirit at work in the world. And we don't want to talk about it. But there is another Spirit at work in the world. He is our enemy. He is called the deceiver. Scripture says that he masquerades as a servant of light. In other words, he tries to pretend as if he is the Spirit of God to deceive us into believing things that are not true. He wants to convince people who are not in the Spirit that they are in the Spirit. That's his job. So here's my caution. While you should pray and long and ask for God to do this, to testify His Spirit into your spirit. Let that be just an affirmation. Let that marker be secondary to the fruit of the Spirit being produced in you. And then let me add this as well. As we were talking through this in our sermon planning, we were wrestling with, Spirit testifying with my spirit that I'm his child. And and one of our staff members said, do we really need this, though? Like, do we really need this? Like, here's what they said. They said, my, my children don't need me to tell them that they're my children. My children don't need me to tell them I'm their father. They just know I'm their father. I don't have to affirm that. I don't have to tell them that. I don't have to... I don't have to help them to see that they're my child. They just know they're my children. And in that moment, I just, without even thinking, I just responded. But not if they're adopted. But not if they're adopted. See, I've got two adopted sons. 
And they need me to affirm to them, I'm your father. And you're my son. They need me to remind them. And there are some of you, and you have adopted children and natural born children, and you can affirm it's not the same. They're not the same. That relationship isn't the same. That your adopted children need to be reminded again and again, you are mine. I chose you. I'm your father. And that's this relational dynamic that Jesus tells us that we are not his natural born children. We're not. But we have been reborn. We have been adopted as his children by his spirit. And because we have been adopted into sonship, not born into sonship, we have to be reminded Because being adopted often comes with a doubt and a fear and an insecurity. And we have to be told again and again, you are mine. You're mine. And I'm yours. So we need this. We should pray for this. Let me end with this. Now, if we are children... And we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we might also share in his glory. How many of you want to be an heir of God? How many of you? How many of you want to share in all that Christ receives from the Father? How many of you? Yes. How many of you are willing to suffer with Jesus to get it? That was a lot slower. lot slower right because here's here's what this verse tells us you don't get one without the other for his children then we're heirs if indeed we share in his sufferings and then we get to share in his glory you don't get one without the other and this is where we're going to pick up romans next week and i hope you'll come back Father, we are grateful that we have been adopted as your sons. We get to call you our Father. That by your Spirit, we now have been given the power to put sin to death. We are not obliged to obey it anymore, but we are obliged to live by the Spirit that you have given to us. And when we do that, we get to experience righteousness now and a resurrection later. And we long for that day. So may all of your children walk out of here today affirmed as they see sin put to death in their life and a desire to hate it and to love you, that their spirit is uplifted, that you would tell them, remind them, help them to know without a doubt, you are the child of God. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. And thank you so much for joining us today here at the Quad City Podcast. Hey, our desire is that we would each look more and more like Jesus every day, week, month, and year. And we know that that doesn't just come from learning more about him and his word, but by actually applying it to our lives today. We hope that you take this message that you heard today and apply it to your life in a way that makes you honor him.
Well, thanks again for joining us today. Be sure to download the Quad City app and we will see you again next time.